0: Well, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles once again to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. We're going to look at some of the same scripture. Uh, that we looked at last week as well and so a little bit of that is going to be a repeat but just be uh, mindful uh, once again we're looking at uh, the chronological order of the life of Jesus and so we're following Jesus's life in his chronological order so if we are going to ask that question what would Jesus do then we're going to look at what Jesus did and we are going to set in our minds and in our hearts to follow uh, the footsteps of Jesus and so as we look at this we're reminded uh that here it is that jesus was baptized by john the baptist we looked at that several weeks ago after jesus was baptized by john the baptist he went into the wilderness for 40 days and he went in there uh to fast he was tempted by satan after that he came back and he started his ministry and as soon as he started his ministry there john the baptist was and john the baptist said behold the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world two of those disciples were uh there standing with John the Baptist, as he said this, he actually said this two days in a row, as the Word of God uh, tells us. He said this one day, then the next day two of his disciples were standing there with him. He said it again the very next day, as we looked at uh, last week, as being a witness for Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So two of those disciples stopped following John, and they started following Jesus. And so that's where we pick up once again in in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. John chapter 1 beginning in uh, verse 40. I tell you what, let's go ahead and read verse 39. It says right there in verse 39, it said, and he said to them, Uh, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. So as we look at this, as we look at this text of scripture, what happened? uh, What took place right here is the very fact that these two disciples were standing with John the Baptist. John the Baptist said behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and so they started following jesus and so uh, as they started following jesus as we read there in that text of scripture they spent the whole day with jesus amen they stayed with jesus all the way into the uh, into the evening they stayed with him until the 10th hour and so you know could you just imagine what it would have been like to go to the house and just to hang out with jesus all day long amen And, and you have to think to yourself and ask yourself the question well what in the world did they do Right? Did, did they go there and they play charades? Did they go there and they, you know, play play a game of, uh, uh, you know, cards? Or did they go there and just talk about uh, the weather? Did they talk about the Romans? Did they talk, what, what did they talk about? Now, the Bible here doesn't specifically tell us what they talked about. We don't uh, have a specific record of what they talked about. But when you look at Jesus in other places within Scripture and other parts of the Word of God, you do find uh, an equal of if, Jesus, if you had the opportunity to hang out with Jesus uh, for a day what he's going to talk about amen and what he talked about with others when we see in the word of God uh, that, that they were able to stay there with him uh, for that entire day there it is that the word of God tells us for instance with the two, uh, two men that was on their way to Emmaus and there Jesus showed up and as Jesus showed up uh, they didn't know who Jesus was he didn't appear as Jesus as was after After the resurrection, in fact, the very next day after the resurrection, there Jesus showed up with them uh, as they were walking on that road to Emmaus, and they spent the day with Jesus all the way up until that evening. And so, in that long journey, uh, Jesus sparked a conversation with them. And so, exactly what did Jesus talk about? First of all, they were downhearted and downtrodden. Jesus acted like he didn't know what was going on in in Jerusalem, and so they were saying, "Are you the only one anywhere?" that doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem, this Jesus, you know, we thought he was the Messiah and he was, he was crucified and he, he died and he was buried. You know, there are some folks and we don't really know about them, but there are some folks that say, you know, they saw Jesus, they heard about the resurrection, but weren't uh, real sure about the resurrection. And that's where we find in Luke chapter 24 and beginning in verse 25, uh, the Bible says right there, and he said to them, that's Jesus, and he said to them, "Oh, foolish man, Men slow of heart to believe all of the prophets have spoken so right here oh uh, foolish men you're slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken in other words haven't you heard haven't you seen haven't you read the word of god of what the word of god has to say about the messiah and he goes on And he says to them in verse 26, it says, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then look at this, verse 27, Then beginning with Moses and with all of the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the Scripture. Now, wouldn't you like to have been a part of that? Amen. Wouldn't you like to have been a part of that seminar of Old Testament 101 where there Jesus, beginning with Moses and... then all of the prophets well what is that that's all of the Old Testament amen he took he went through all of the Old Testament and he began to unfold with them all of the things the Bible says that scripture has to say about himself who is himself that's Jesus that is the Messiah that is the Christ and so there on that road to Emmaus as Jesus was walking alongside them he began to unfold the word of God that this is what the Word of God has to say about Jesus Himself. Now again, they didn't realize it was Jesus. Amen? It wasn't until later on in the day right before He left them, He made Himself appear to where they could see them and, and then all of a sudden He just disappears, right? He just disappears and they said to one another weren't our hearts burning within us this whole time that He was with us? And so, you know, I, could, I would have loved to have heard the things that Jesus had to say to them but guess what we are blessed and privileged to have the very words in which Jesus was teaching amen the truth of the word of God of course that was the Old Testament scriptures and then we find that as Jesus uh, uh, disappeared they go back into Jerusalem they hurry back they have got to tell everybody that uh, what they what they saw they've got to tell everybody what they witnessed now 11 of the apostles were gathered together and you know they were thinking about this they, you know they went to the tomb Jesus wasn't there the tomb was empty what in the world's going on now you, you know we, we, we see that you know some of these women uh, they claim to have seen the resurrected Christ and now these two men from uh, that were going to Emmaus they come back and they said they've seen the resurrected Christ what in the world is going on and so they're continuing in Luke chapter 24 the Bible begins in verse Verse 45, right there, as Jesus appears to those 11 disciples, those 11 apostles, and it says there in verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name. Name to all of the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And so what did he do? He opened up their mind to the scriptures. He opened up their mind to the Word of God. He taught them. Of course, he'd been teaching them for three years about what the Old Testament had to say about the Messiah, and they didn't understand it. They didn't comprehend it. Now Jesus is opening up their mind to it, to where they are able to understand it they are able to see him and so when you ask the question, well these two disciples that were disciples of John the Baptist back in John chapter one that John the Baptist said, "Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world So we know they heard that right We know that they heard that because John said it and the Word of God records it that John said that and so it was that phrase it was that statement, that was directed towards Jesus. Again, like I said last week, I believe John was pointing him out. There he is. And there he is, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So these two disciples, they follow Jesus. Jesus says, come on to the house with me. They stayed there all day long. So what did they do? I believe that Jesus unfolded the truth of the word of God with them and told them beginning with Moses and all the way through the prophets, this is what the word of God has to say about the Messiah. Amen? This is what the truth of the Word of God has to unfold. In fact, when we continue to look here in John chapter 1, we continue to find even more evidence of this. Now, again, in verse 35, or, or as we look back at uh, verse, verse 29, it says there in verse 29, it says the next day that he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So that's, that's day one of, all of this series of events. That's John the Baptist saying this. Then we look in verse 35 again. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked in, at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And, and so as we look at this, two days in a row, John says this, then when we skip on down to verse 43, and in verse 43 it says the next day, so this is the third day, right? Day of this series of events, what happened in day two. Day two, two of the disciples went to the house with Jesus, stayed there with him all day long. And so now we begin to understand even more what is it that Jesus had said to them or spent time with them about while they were there in that house. Verse 43, the next day he proposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, "Follow me." Now Philip was from Bethsaida, Bethsaida, and of the city of Andrew and Peter. And found and Peter, or sorry, Philip found Nathanael, and said to him, "We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote: Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph." So apparently philip was the other disciple he was apparently the second disciple andrew was the first disciple that we talked about last week and remember what andrew did andrew had to go find his brother peter and what did peter what did he tell peter hey peter we found the messiah Amen. We found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. We have found the very one that Moses now. Andrew didn't say this, but Nathaniel did. But but we have found the Messiah. Now Philip is telling Nathaniel, hey, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. And what was his specific words? The one that Moses speaks about and all through the prophets they speak about. Well, how did he know that? No doubt. Undoubtedly, Jesus had spent that day unfolding the truth of the Word of God and saying, hey, this is what Moses has to say about me. This is what the prophets have to say about me. Probably even going so far is to tell them that he was going to live out his ministry, fulfill his ministry, die on a cross, be, uh, be crucified, be buried, and three days later rise again. Now they probably still didn't get all of that. They didn't understand all of this, But what they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt at this very moment in time that this was the Messiah. This was the Christ. This was the very one in whom they that that, that the Word of God had prophesied, who Moses had wrote about. And so as we look at this, there was a great shift that took place. It's interesting within the Word of God that there's two very specific places right here in Scripture where Jesus is now uh, given a title, but after He's given a title... John translates what that title means. Now, it tells us two things. It tells us one thing that the original recipients to the gospel according to John were probably not Jews. Because <laughs> you give the t- title, he's a rabbi or messiah. They, they know what that means, right? They know what that means. And so, if uh, apparently, the, the, uh, it wasn't uh, t- originally to the Jews, but also, what we find right here is that the Gospel of John is evangelistic in its nature, Amen. John's purpose in the Gospel of John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is to share the good news about Jesus Christ for the people of being uh, people being saved for the purpose of people being saved, Amen. And so when we look here in verse 38, it says in verse 38 of John chapter 1, it says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, rabbi. These Jewish men said to Jesus, rabbi. And then John says, which uh, translated means teacher. So John had to translate that. So it means teacher. Teacher. Now, rabbi is a very common phrase, it's a very common term, it was commonly used in Jesus' day by those who were teachers, right? And it is still used to this very day, we still here jewish teachers and what do they call their jewish teachers they call them rabbis amen so it was a common term it was a common phrase just like we would use the term pastor or preacher here today you know that and so when we look at this you know we look right here in picayune we are not short on churches here in picayune amen we have a lot of churches here in picayune in fact you know between here and uh you know picayune city limits how many churches. Well, there's quite a few churches, and each one of those churches has a pastor amen so there's a lot of people in the picayune area that has that title pastor in the same way there's a lot of people uh, there was a lot of jews in jesus's day that had the had that title rabbi and it was a title and they gave that title to jesus but there was many others that had the title of rabbi remember when we looked in the book of luke and when we looked there in the book of luke when jesus was 12 years old What did Jesus do? He sought out the teachers. Who were those teachers? They were rabbis. Amen? They were rabbis. And so he sought them out himself. And now, here it is that Jesus is being called a rabbi. Now, this is their initial contact. This is their first contact with Jesus Christ and something drastically changed between this contact and after they had spent the whole day with Jesus Christ. Because as you continue to read, it, it, they, uh, Jesus said to them in verse 39, He said to them, come and you will see. And they, uh, they came and they saw where He was staying and they stayed with Him that, uh, that day for it was about the tenth hour. And then as we continue to read in verse 40, and one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon uh, Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. And then John goes ahead and translate that as well, which translated means Christ. We have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. Now, what is the Christ? What does that mean? That is the anointed one. Amen. That is the anointed one. And there is only one anointed one. Now, Jesus himself said that many are going to claim to be the Christ. Many are going to claim to be him, but he is the only one. Amen. There is no other Messiah other than the only one. There's going to be the Antichrist is going to claim to be a Christ at the end of the days. But the Apostle John himself told us that there's going to be many Antichrists, and even today there are many Antichrists. He's not the man. They're not the man of lawlessness that the Bible says is going to appear in the last days. But they claim to be the Messiah, David. Koresh claimed to be uh, the Messiah. We've had many uh, throughout the ages that have claimed to be the Messiah, but they were false messiahs. There are, there's only one Messiah. There are many rabbis, however, but there is only one Messiah. There's only one Christ. And here it is Andrew says to Peter, We have found the one. And now Philip says to Nathaniel, We have found the one. He is the one. And how do they know that he is the one? Because they looked into the word of God. Jesus taught them the word of God, taught them the teachings of Moses, taught them the teachings of the prophets, and said these are the things that, that uh, uh, the Bible, that the word of God, that those Old Testament scriptures, of course it was the only scripture that they had at that time, that points to, to who the Messiah is going to be. And they came to that point in faith of saying, you know what? He's the one. Amen? He's the one. He has to be the one. There there can't be another one. He is the one. It's interesting here is also that we find What the Word of God, and remember I said last week that the gospel according to John is not necessarily in chronological order. And here's one of those instances where it's not necessarily in chronological order because this didn't exactly happen at this time. Remember, as I said last week, that John is more interested in the message, not that the other three Gospels aren't interested in the message, of course they are, but they give it in a more of a chronological order. Here it is that, that John is more interested through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to tie in the message rather than being all that concerned about chronology. And so what does he do right here? He he brings Simon into the picture. He brings Peter into the picture. Andrew finds Peter, he finds Simon. He goes and he tells him, come on, we found the Messiah, which we just read. In verse 42, it says that he brought him to Jesus. Andrew brings Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. There goes with the translations again, which is translated Peter. Now, According to the other gospels, that didn't, that didn't happen exactly at that time. Right? It doesn't make the it doesn't make the gospel of John wrong, but again, what is John interested in is the message. What's the importance of the message right here? When did Jesus name Simon Peter? Find that recorded in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, there it was that Jesus was with his disciples, had all of his disciples gathered together at that time. Obviously, it wasn't at this particular time, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It happened at a later time. And so as he had them all gathered together, he said, who do people say that I am? Well, they say all kinds of things about you, Jesus. They say you're John the Baptist. They say, you know, you're one of the prophets. They say, they've got all kinds of things to say about you. And then Jesus turned that question around. He said, but who do you say that I am? Simon said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what Simon was doing? He was professing his faith that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the Christ, and there's absolutely no doubt in his mind. He said it with heart. He said it with passion. He said it with absolute faith. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say to him? Blessed art thou, Simon Varjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed to you. This is genuine faith that is given by the Father of your confession and profession of who I am, that I am the Christ. And so he renamed Simon. He said, no longer are you to be called Simon, but you're to be called Peter. So we'll look more into that when we get to that particular text of Scripture So as we look at this, all of this has to do with the profession that Jesus is truly the Christ. He's not just some rabbi. He's not just some other prophet. He's not just some great guy that has a lot of great things to say that's doing a lot of great stuff. He is the Christ and there is no other. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one and there is no other he is the absolute fulfillment of those old testament scriptures he is the fulfillment of the teachings of moses he is the fulfillment of the teaching of the prophets. he is the one and there is no other we continue to look at that scripture right there in john chapter one i know we're kind of hopping around little bit and it says there in john chapter 1 verse 45 it says philip found nathanael and said to him we have found him of whom moses and the law and the prophets wrote jesus of nazareth the son of god uh, the son of joseph verse 46 nathanael had his doubts and said to him can anything good come out of nazareth this is a little bitty tiny hole in the wall town can anything anything good come out of nazareth well, obviously, when God's in the middle of it, anything good can come out of anything everywhere. Amen? And sometimes we say stuff like that. You know, I, I realize that we're a church that has about as many Mississippians in it as Louisianians in it, and so when we think about that, I've heard Mississippi folks say, oh, there's nothing good comes out of New Orleans. Amen? Well, my wife did, so there's one good thing that came out of New Orleans. Amen? And and so I've heard Louisiana folks say, well, nothing good comes out of Mississippi. Well, my mama did, so something good comes out of Mississippi, amen? And so I've got to be careful when we get into our argument, because I've got just as many family members, and I don't get into that argument, just as many family members in Louisiana as I do in, in Mississippi, so there's good folks everywhere. There's bad folks everywhere, but there's good folks everywhere, amen? And God can do anything with anyone, anywhere that he so chooses. God chose to bring up the Messiah, the Christ, the very Son of God, His own Son, out of Nazareth. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Verse 46, Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come see. You just have to come see Him for yourself. Amen. Don't take my word for it. You know, my faith can't be your faith, and your faith can't be my faith. Your mama's faith can't be your faith. Your daddy's faith can't be your faith. Your denomination's faith can't be your faith. Your church's faith can't be your faith. Your pastor's faith can't be your faith. You're going to have to come to the conclusion of who Jesus is all on your own. Amen? And put your own personal faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So here it is in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. And said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. He tells it like it is. Amen. Verse 48, Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? How, how do you know me? He's saying, Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Wait a minute. You see, we're living in a day and age where there's cameras everywhere. Amen. You can't get away with anything. Yeah, but you, every, everybody has cameras attached to their phones. Everybody has cameras attached to their houses. Our church, I, I don't remember how many we have, but we've got a whole bunch of cameras attached to our church. Everything you do in here, somebody watching you, amen? <laughs> now everybody's feeling kind of antsy and nervous, so sorry about that. But it's true. We've got cameras everywhere. Of course, we all know that technology did not exist in Jesus' day. So Nathaniel's thinking, how in the world did he know that? Amen. Now, Philip said, come and see for yourself. And he came and saw for himself, and there's no possible Philip didn't run ahead of him and tell him, nobody else ran ahead of him, and told him uh, Philip's been right beside him this entire time. How in the world did he know that? In verse 49, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Truly is you. So when we understand this, because of what he saw in Jesus, hadn't been taught yet, but because of what he saw in Jesus, oh, this has got to be you. Has to be you. Can't be anybody else. And then Jesus said in verse 50, so Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you'll see greater things than these? And no doubt he did. But is it because of what we see? Or because of what's recorded in the word of God? Your eyes can deceive us. Our hearts can deceive us. Our emotions can deceive us. All of those things can deceive us. And Jesus said to this Jewish young man who knew the scriptures, who knew the word of God, been taught it all of his life, he said to him in verse 51, he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Ooh, what did Jesus just do? Jesus reminded him of Genesis chapter 28. Of course, they didn't have their Bibles numbered at that time. But Jesus reminded him of the Word of God and the Word of God that God used Moses to write down, the very teaching of Moses. And he used him to write that down and to record it within the Word of God of Jacob leaving his mother and father and going to Haran for what purpose of finding a bride? And when he was on his way there, on his travels to Haran, on his way to finding a bride for himself, there it was that he came to a place where he laid down to rest and he used a stone for a pillow that night. And when he came to that place of finding a place to rest. He had a dream and what happened in that dream, what happened in that dream is just a phenomenal thing there. He had a dream and a vision of a ladder that was descending from heaven and it went all the way down to the earth and the word of God tells us that there was angels ascending and descending, going up and down up on that ladder. There it was that Jacob heard the voice of God, and as he heard the voice of God, he said, Jacob, out of you there's going to be as many descendants, he says, of the dust of the earth. In other words, innumerable. (laughs) Amen? Innumerable. And not only that, through those descendants... Your descendants is going to bless the whole earth. In fact, he says right here in Genesis twenty-eight, verse fourteen, he says, "Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, in other words, everywhere. And in you, all of the descendants, uh, all of your descendants shall, all of the families of the earth, be blessed." What was Jesus saying to Nathaniel upon that day? I am the fulfillment of that prophecy. How's all of the earth going to be blessed through the descendants of Jacob? Well, Jesus is the direct descendant of Jacob. Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of this prophecy. In this text, what we find through here is that there's a theological term and it's called typology. I'm not going to get into all of that. But we see something in the Old Testament, and that something that we see in the Old Testament directly points us to who Jesus is. Guess what? The ark completely fulfills the purpose and the person of Jesus Christ. The tabernacle, the temple, completely fulfills the purpose and the person of Jesus Christ. They are a type of what is to come and what has come through the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Word of God says it this way. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festivals or new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. All of those Old Testament things, every one of them, every single one of them are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Sometimes when we get the grandchildren over at night, uh, they'll spend the night, sometimes we'll do shadow puppets with them. If anybody's ever done a shadow puppet, you'll realize the further you get away from the light, the less clear that shadow is. But the closer you get to the light, the more clear that shadow is. Amen? So then the Garden of Eden, and there it was, the very first prophecy was given of the woman's seed crushing the head of the serpent's seed If we didn't know the rest of Scripture, we'd be like, what in the world is that talking about? (laughs) What in the world does that even mean? But in the Old Testament, the closer and the closer and the closer they got to the coming of the light, whose light Jesus is light, the more and more and more clearly they were able to see by the time the apostles came along, they said, he is the one. He's the one. It can't be anyone else. He's the one. You see why it's so important to study the Word of God? Amen. We need to hear the gospel. Apart from the foolishness of, 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 of preaching, the Bible says that no one's going to be saved. Well, they're preaching the, the gospel. We have to come to that conclusion either Jesus is the Savior or he's not the Savior but if we believe and have faith that Jesus truly is the Savior then we're going to be saved by that faith. But from faith to faith we continue to grow and mature as believers in Jesus Christ. So even as Christians, what do we need to do? We need to search the scripture. So when those doubters and those naysayers come our way off oh, Why why are you using that Bible as a crutch? You know, Jesus is just a fairy tale. I don't know. I know that I know that I know, and He is the Christ. He's the one. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind He is the one. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Friends, we need to know what the Word of God says about the Messiah. Not just for our witness, but for ourselves. That we would grow and mature and deepen in our walk with Christ. Because the closer we get to the light, the more and more and more and more convinced we are. Oh, yeah. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He yeah. is my refuge, He is my strength. He is a very present help in a time of trouble. I know. Amen? Right now as our priest team makes their way up this direction, challenge naysayers, challenge disbelievers to disprove them. Just, just disprove them. Somebody asked me this morning about Uh, Chriswell, who was the pastor of uh, First Baptist of Dallas for years he used to be an atheist you know what he did very intelligent, very intellectual man, he set out to disprove this Jesus character this fairy tale, I'm going to disprove him guess what he did (laughs) he discovered, no you can't do that And he's written many, many, many books that show his proof of how true Jesus is. He said, I know Jesus is as real as the setting and the rising of the sun. Amen? Josh McDowell was a college student had a lot of friends that tried to witness to him and share the gospel with him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to law school. I'm going to use all of my skills as a lawyer to disprove them and make my friends just leave me alone and show them how foolish they really are. You know what he did? He came to the conclusion, no, you can't disprove Jesus. He's real. He's real. He got saved in an on-fire Christian. One of the very first books he wrote was a book called Christianity, Hoax, or History. It documented his progress through that time. Lee Strobel, an editor-in-chief of the Chicago Tribune, he knew how to research stuff. Back then we had journalists, amen, and they knew how to research stuff. His wife became a Christian. He was an atheist. I'm going to prove her wrong. Found out he couldn't. He's an on fire Christian. He wrote The Case for Christ. There's also a movie about that. Now, I recommend you watching it. But as you stand this morning, that could be your number one argument for an atheist. Just disprove them. And really disprove. I mean, don't just say in your own mind, because thus saith you. Do your research. See what you conclude. But as a Christian, friends, every day we need to be doing our research. Is he really who he says he is? You better believe it. You better believe it. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Friends, I invite you to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come to know Him today. Put your faith and trust in Him. Say, well, I don't know what to do. All you have to do is put your faith in Him. Just like they did. He is the Christ. We know it. Just put your faith in Him. Come forward and let me know. That won't save you. But friends, I want to know. Amen. Just putting your faith in Him would save you. If you're a Christian today, you're struggling with doubts. You know you're a Christian, but you're having some struggles and some certain things. I'll pray for you. I'll be glad to counsel you. But friends, you need to dig into the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? It will set you free. Right now, whatever you're dealing with, anything else, even if it hadn't been mentioned, you come as God so leads.